Hello everyone and welcome back to Let's Go On An Adventure. Thank you for sticking it out with me. I know the schedule's been rather chaotic, but I think I finally am getting a schedule down a little bit. Um, I don't want to say I've been forcing myself, but I've been doing my very best to try to read at least 45 minutes a day just to kind of get the brain going into reading mode and then that way I can continue reading if I choose after that 45 minutes or just wait till the next day. Um, the last couple times that I've done it, I've continued reading it and I've been able to knock out at least two books in the last 48 hours. So, we're doing pretty good there. I know this is being released a little bit later in the day due to the fact that it is like mid-morning for me, like mid, yeah, closer to the afternoon than anything. I woke up late for that, I apologize. It's been a busy work week. So you get to enjoy me in, in my wake-up voice while I drink coffee, tell you about this awesome book. So today I'm actually going to put a warning on this podcast because today is a 18 and older type of book. When I grabbed the book, I did not apparently see the warnings that were on this book. Um, I just thought it looked cool and it sounded cool and I was like, hey, I'm going to get this book and I started reading it and well... This is definitely an 18 or older book. I do not recommend this for anyone younger. So if you are not 18, I suggest you turn around from this this uh, podcast and just wait a couple years or wait till you turn 18 and then you can read this one. Uh, going forward, there are plenty of triggers in this story. Um, it is considered a romance. Um, but by triggers, I'm not even talking about sexual triggers. Uh, there's... There's a lot that happens in this book. There's there's a lot. So let's dive right in. So the book I'm talking to you about is one of the Never After novels by Emily McIntyre called Hooked. Now, Never After novels are, they're not retellings of fairy tales, but they're a type of telling of a fairy tale. Um, but from the villainous side of things and not even retelling the story as much as it's the theme of that that fairy tale or disney film or whatever you want to say and the reason why i say disney film is because she does have a book in the series called scarred that has to deal with the lion king and i don't know if the lion king was ever actually a fairy tale um but i do know it was a disney film and such like that so this one is called hooked and it's a very much Peter Pan-type-themed book on the darker side. It is considered a dark contemporary romance. Um, it has about 326 pages. It came out in September of 2021. I remember as these this series started popping up, um, she was coming out with like two, maybe three books at a time. Um, she has five in total now. It's Hooked, Scarred, Wretched, Cross and there's another one i it has a diamond on the cover i just can't i can't say it right now or think of the name but they all have to do with retellings or fairy tale themes scarred is the lion king like i said uh wretched is wizard of oz the one with the diamond that i can't think of for some weird reason sinister i think it's called sinister uh is aladdin and cross is the hunchback of notre dame and Crossed, I believe, is the newest one that she's just recently released this year. Now, I will 
say that I am impressed in the aspect of how much of the Peter Pan themes she put throughout this story. And it does make me kind of excited or curious about the other ones about how much information she put in. And what I mean by that is everything Peter Pan themed or everything from Peter Pan is in this story here, there, everywhere. From pixie dust to names of characters, names of places, everything is in here just in different ways. Now by saying it's a dark contemporary romance, it's it's not in a mythical place so much as it's set place in our world per se over on the east coast in Massachusetts where Peter Pan is more of the villain but he goes by Peter Michaels. Now if you know anything about the Peter Pan story, Michael was actually the name of one of Wendy's brothers. There was John and Michael. Now in this case Wendy is actually his daughter and he has a son named Jonathan. So that's where those uh, four names come into play. But like I said, Peter is more of the villain. He's a multi-billionaire. He has created a airline called Nevland Air. Neverland. There you go. Which is where he makes all his money and everything. Um, and he's never really home, which kind of drives his daughter Wendy absolutely nuts because she does miss him and she wants him there for them. They just made this move from, I think it, they actually made it from London and it was not just traumatizing for them, but it was a big deal. And their mother, they don't have their mother. Their mother died in a car crash. So she's not around. It's just Wendy and Jonathan. In this story, Wendy is about 20 years old. Jonathan is still in high school, um, but I think he's in his junior or senior year, so towards the end of it. But we'll talk more about that as we go through. Now on to the villainous side of this. So the main character is James Hook. Um, that's not his actual last name. His last name is Bierre, I think. The, the original author of Peter Pan, which was James Bierre or something like that, um, they use his name, his last name as the main name, which is pretty awesome. But he goes by James Hook. Hook being his, I guess you could say, gang name that he has picked up for very good reason. Hook has a very dark background of being basically a child who lost all of his family in a plane crash which happened on Nevland Air so he has kind of a hatred towards Peter um, as well as the fact that he was taken in by his uncle who physically abused him on a constant and there was some notations I guess you could say or suggestion that could have explained or would suggest that there was more than just physical abuse but I don't 100% know if that's actually the case, so I'm not going to say there was any abuse outside the physical and the verbal. However, there is a little bit of hinting that there was possibly sexual abuse as well. Neither here nor there. His uncle is essentially his first victim, whom he kills with a hooked knife. And by killed, they are very... <laughs> Emily McIntyre was very descriptive on how essentially he killed him he essentially got him for all intents and purposes and in his own library so it wasn't something that was like oh and he killed him and we moved on no she was very descriptive on how he took his first kill how it felt and everything like that hence dark romance <laughs> now hook essentially runs or at least works out of a club known as the jolly roger there we go with our names and locations right 
and this is a well-known club in the area. Um, he technically works for Rue or Rufus, which I believe is short for Rufio. You know, one of the Lost Boys who, on that note, originally his original gang was called the Lost Boys. Now, this is essentially his boss. However, everyone's more terrified of Hook than anything and will do take orders from Hook. Hook will essentially be the one taking over their business after Rufio moves on, essentially, or dies. And part of their business is the scaly underworld of things. Think of, like, a kind of mafia setup without being total mafia. Gang, gang mafia mixture. They push a drug also known as pixie dust. There we go with the reference again. And it's that's that's their main thing and they do it outside of the jolly roger the jolly roger is what makes them look more legit in like a legal business and he knows of peter he knows everything about peter including wendy who is referenced many times in the papers and even by peter himself as his little shadow and she just so happens to try to use a fake id at this bar at the jolly roger with some friends or colleagues i'll say a friend and some girl who's kind of a just a raging bee and they try to sneak in and he allows them to come in so he can get close to wendy his thought is if he can essentially get th close and seduce wendy he can get close to peter and that's exactly his plan now part of the reason why he has a as uh, a thing against peter which is revealed later is peter was actually in fact orcas was the one who orchestrated the death of his family because Peter's dad was his business partner. Now, there's more to it than just like a rivalry thing, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So he gets close to Wendy. Wendy, of course, you know, falls for him, but she has a resistance uh, beforehand. I am not going to get into explicit detail that happens in this book, because to be 100% honest, it actually kind of made me uncomfortable. And the one thing I'm not going to do is go into, you know, sexual detail about a book on here. That's just not for me. If you want that type of, you know, sexual detail, go listen to a uh, audiobook of the book. There you go. I'm not going to be that person. But essentially, they get intimate and she allows him to take her virginity. What kind of makes me uncomfortable about the whole thing is he will literally go from killing someone or thinking about killing someone to going to her and being sexually intimate with her, whether it's being 100% sexual or teasing or whatever. And it, it did. It kind of made me a little uncomfy, um, which is why there's one of the, the warnings on there. But it's the type of book that even though that those types of scenes make you uncomfy, the storyline itself is so well done. And the fact that she put so much effort of having everything from Peter Pan in this story it kept you hooked into this story. It truly did. And I'm not going to spoil the end of it because all of the cliffhanger, not cliffhangers, but all of the climactic details and every the twists and turns are within the last about five to seven chapters of the book. Like, truly. So I don't want to spoil that away. There's Smee is part of the book. For those who know Peter Pan, he is essentially the first mate to Hook. And by first mate, I mean he was an orphan boy that hook took in to take care of his home which is a yacht named the tiger lily so there you go tiger lily is here and he does hate the sound of clocks as well so 
watches, pocket watches, anything that makes the ticking sound because his uncle had one and that would make the sound uh, incessantly, um, especially while he was beating him. So he does have that aversion to clocks and uh, actually goes on a rage and destroys one of Smee's at one point because Smee bought it on his broat and it just happened to go that way. Now, Wendy does find out about the whole thing that uh, James is trying to do or that Hook is trying to do that the reason why he originally picked her was to get close to her father and this really more comes out when Hook actually starts falling for Wendy and his boss decides that they're going to go meet up with Peter and try to make a underworld business deal only for Peter to ruthlessly and violently kill his his business partner or his uh, uh, boss. Now, he, Rufio or Ruf, Rufus is more than just Hook's boss. He actually saved him from his uncle. So this is the most the biggest father figure that he can see in his life, and. He had even given him a decorative uh, lighter that said um, halfway till morning and oh, sorry, straight on till morning. Another little Peter Pan reference there for you. And so in this, because he had been spending a lot of time with Wendy and the reason why he had missed this meeting in particularly is because he went with Wendy to take her brother Jonathan to this new school that was literally on an island and away from everyone. Basically a boarding school um, that Peter picked out and it from the reviews of it and everything like that it wasn't a great school. It was practically a prison and James or Hook made a very clear statement to the uh, dean of the school that you mess with him or you do anything to him and I will have your head kind of thing. It was very much a warning to the dean and the school that if anything happened to John or to Jonathan, that there would, for all intents and purposes, be hell to pay. And that they didn't want that. So. But because of him going there, he felt that it was his fault and that Wendy may actually be a part of everything and know more than what she's actually saying. Which then also kind of puts him in a type of tizzy, if you will. Um, he says that he starts kind of getting really angry with her and she doesn't understand because he feels like she's been a part of this whole plot this whole time that he knew about what was going to happen and everything like that. And so he lets his true colors essentially show to her, which both makes her very angry and distrustful of him and also makes her kind of want him more in a way because he also allows her still to be herself and to stand up to her father. And by stand up to her father, what I mean is that when it came to Peter, she always felt like a quiet mouse. And that was kind of a descriptive that they had there because he would shut her down. He, it never felt like she, he would listen on phone calls. When he was away, it seemed like he wasn't listening. Um, he only called her to say happy birthday, I think once. And in the background, he heard a woman, which was his assistant known as Tina Bell. So there's Tinkerbell for you. And it was, you could hear kind of the jealousy with Tina Bell anytime he would call Wendy to check up on her and everything like that, because she would have that 
I can't say whiny voice, but it would sound like a whiny voice when I read it about, you know, you know, come back and pay attention to me kind of stuff. Now, come to find out a lot of the treachery actually happens from other people instead of P Peter. There was other things that were at play that he didn't know about that is towards the climactic end of the story. And however, so they go to this dinner party where Peter's going to be at, where he, where Hook shows off the fact that he's with Wendy and Peter's going to be there and shows off the fact that he's been with his daughter this whole time, which enrages Peter, but they're in a public setting that is, you know, more prestigious and they have to hide the fact that, you know, they're doing the things that they're doing. However, it gives Wendy an opening to stand up to her father and which she does quite bluntly uh, by straight up in front of a lot of people saying that she let Hook pop her cherry as well as other things, which I think Hook kind of realized that that fact that she truly didn't know what was actually going on and this was her standing up to her father. In fact, he sees that more at the end of the dinner party and everything like that, that she truly had no idea what was going on. And so he explains it to her, he explains what he does, explains what, you know, Peter's been doing and why there's so much hate between them and all this kind of stuff. And in a way, turns Wendy to the dark side without turning Wendy to the dark side because she still has love for her father and James can't, you know, ignore that. But in return, he also tells her, he's like, yeah, well, he killed mine. He killed my father. He killed my mother. He killed my whole family and left me to die, essentially. So that sucks that, you know, he's your father and you don't want me to kill him. But he killed everything that I loved, essentially. Not only that, he killed his temporary father or his like adoptive father Rue and so there's a lot of hate towards Peter at this point however this the the end part of the book in all honesty is truly my favorite where all the twists and turns start happening where more starts coming out of what's going on that didn't seem like was going on so the last the last 10 chapters is by far my favorite part of the book like I said there is a lot of themes in here that I'm not used to when it comes to reading a dark contemporary. I'm all for violence. I'm all for gore. Um, all for romance. But when you intertwine the two, um, I, it's kind of uncomfy. <laughs> I, I'm not one to look at violence as a sexual thing. And not to kink shame or put any hate to those who do. Totally your thing? Awesome. It's just, it's not my thing. And it just, it wasn't my thing. But... As a dark contemporary romance, it, it was done very well. Like, I, I'm truly impressed with Emily McIntyre with how many elements of Peter Pan that she wove through there. Um, from the little ticks, the people, the locations, everything. Um, even the Blue Lagoon is in the story, and it's a strip club. So, it's just the different things is absolutely fantastic. Um... The twists are definitely my favorite thing, which I'm not going to tell you about because I want you guys to actually read it. Um, even if you s buy the book just to skip to the last 10 chapters to see what happens. I mean, that's that's my favorite thing of the whole thing. And one of my favorite quotes that was actually in here was James telling Jonathan was whispering in his ear as they left him at the school was all situations are temporary. It's not your circumstance that determines your worth. It's how you rise from the ashen, rise from the ashes after everything burns. 
and that's on uh, page 164. My favorite quote through the whole thing, because that's kind of inspiring. Um, as dark as a character he is, it makes sense for him that his quote would be that all situations are temporary and it doesn't define you. What defines you is how you deal with it, how you rise, rise above everything. And so I found that wonderful. Again, I admire the way that Emily McIntyre put in all these elements. And it does make me curious of what other elements she put in in her other books. The only thing that put, puts a halt for me, honestly, is the mixture of violence with romance like put together. That, uh, it, it did. It truly made me uncomfy and it made me kind of question other books that I've wanted to buy that I do know that has similar themes, such as Haunting Adeline and Hunting Adeline. As for recommending this book, um, I would recommend it. I only give it about three and a half stars for me personally, just because of the mixture of romance and violence just wasn't for me. However, as a romance book, it's pretty good. And like I said, the themes... How much detail she put in the themes is what truly got me. Like, really, that's what truly gave me the insistence to want to keep reading it. Just that the detail, the amount of detail is absolutely amazing. And it is hard to find a story that will do something like that. Even the retellings that I've read, it's, it's a retelling, but it's not. Whereas this, this is not a retelling. It is a redo, if you will but of the opposite side with all the themes of Peter Pan. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that's great. So definitely a 3.5, um, a five star for the creativity and everything in that. It, it wasn't bad. Would I necessarily read it again? Uh, if I'm dying for a romance, maybe. It's, it's one of those things where uh, I don't know because of all the violence. Like truly, all the violence is what kind of kind of makes me pause and go I don't know <laughs> but but it was truly good it was it it was a decent book and the the attention to detail is what truly kept me involved in it that's gonna be all today guys I hope you have a wonderful Sunday um I'm doing my best to try to stay on schedule you might have it more being released later in the day so that way I can sit here with my coffee and talk to you just because it seems more like a friendship and I truly do enjoy that so thank you for logging on and listening and I hope this brings you on to another adventure you guys have a good one